Welcome. Welcome to another episode of the PodQuest. PodQuest. Broadcasting from all around Vol Nation. Where we talk about Vols football, basketballs, recruiting, and exclusive interviews with those closest to the program. Now, you're about to experience the PodQuest. Boom. Here we go. It is the PodQuest. We're here again. This is Georgia Tech Vol. It's another beautiful night. Uh, it was a beautiful Sunday for me here in Atlanta, Georgia, the high end Atlanta, Georgia. But again, we're so excited to bring you yet another pod quest. Uh, it's March 10th, 2019, off the heels of uh, probably the best performance of the Auburn uh, Tigers basketball team, men's basketball team on Saturday. And uh, disappointing performance by uh, the Tennessee Vols uh, men's basketball team to end up the regular season. But nonetheless, we still have a lot to look forward to with the SEC championship tournament, which a lot of us will be up at, which we're really excited about. Um, And then you've got the NCAA tournament. And then to add that in, we've got spring football here, which we talked about first and foremost. You heard it from us first. We talked about it last week. So we've got a lot of amazing things to talk about. Again, like I said, this is Georgia Tech Vol. Thank you to everybody who listens. I've gotten some really interesting feedback from people who are Tennessee fans and not Tennessee fans. Um, again, I'm gonna ha- we're going to have some people on here uh, that are UGA fans, Florida fans that are friends of mine. We're going to have them on in the next few months to kind of hear their perspective. I think it's going to be really interesting to talk about. But again, for those who are just listening casually, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for giving us those five stars. We are officially on. Um, iTunes now, which is really cool. Again, I'm still working on some of the other ones, but you can get us from SoundCloud and you can get us from iTunes. So there, hit us up there. Thank you again for listening. Um, so many things to talk about. Uh, so we've, I'm going to go through our casters really quickly. And then I've also, we've also got a special guest. So one of the things we like to do on the podcast is we like to have people from the general quarters on that get their, their stardom, their, their chance to be famous on the podcast and get their hour and a half in. Uh, so tonight we're going to have Ken Donahue with us, which is really exciting. But I'm going to go through the cast here. Um, we got PTC Vol, Powell Vols, and Priest Vol. Shout out to Bleed Orange 23. He is on some kind of swingers binge or something. I don't know what he's doing right now, but he's double metamucil bomb. He's been doing metamucil bomb body shots. And uh, I can't go into it any further. He used to be a, car- a card carrying member of trapeze in Atlanta, which you can go look that up. I wouldn't look it up, but um, anyway, mm. Bleed Orange 23, we love you. Stay safe out there. I got the cryptic text message that he might not be on because they're out partying again tonight. So, you know, one of those midlife crises, I guess, but we love you and we wish you could be back on, be out there safe with all miss you, dad. Yeah. We miss you, dad, the old man, but uh, have, have fun with all that Metamucil out there. Uh, it'll clog your system up if, if you do too many of them, but uh, have fun out there. But anyway, I'm done with my rambling, so I'm going to pass it to the guys real quickly. I'm going to start with you, Evol. Thank you, man, for joining. How are you tonight? Man, I'm bant again. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, That's right. So so be it. Um, it wasn't for the Pugfall thing, although that was pretty epic, and I think I pretty much buried him on that little rap I wrote for him. Um, everything is good. Obviously, you know, Saturday was kind of a bummer. I, uh, you know, what else can you say than that? We blew a golden opportunity, 
Um, got a couple shout outs I want to bring to the board or to the Pac West tonight and for everybody to hear about. You know, well done, Dr. Curmudgeon and, and Drake. We'll talk about you a little bit later. Um, I was very impressed. And, you know, just looking forward to having fun with you guys and uh, baptizing Ken on the uh, PodQuest and see how he enjoys it. Yeah, we're glad to have you on. And I know we actually celebrated you being unbanned last week. I had that in my in my show notes. And then now right. you're banned again, which we actually are going to name the uh, Big Orange Blazer Club the PodQuest Forum because nobody lives over there. And uh, we think that thread would have stayed around for a number of weeks but that's the thing. Nobody posts, so it stayed at the top. Um, so if you guys missed that thread, it was a beautiful idea from PTC Vol. Um, you, I think you did a um, – what was it that you – what was the thread starter? MAGA 2020 acceptance speech. <laughs> so we did a 2020 acceptance speech for Trump, um, and I, I threw my, my name in the, the hat there as far as – I tried my best writing a, a Trump speech. So we had a good time laughing about that, but sorry, you got banned. I know you'll be back here soon. Did it, they tell you how long, did they tell you how long you're out for? I think it's four days, um, which is what I got last time, but you know, who knows? Um, I hope it's just four days and I'll try to behave for at least the next two weeks. So I don't get banned again. <laughs> well, we'll welcome that. It'll be good to have you back. Uh, one other thing too. Well, you've been calling me out for my, uh, for my shoes it's in a picture of a church uh, for my church shoes today, which I thought they were very snazzy. Um, and you, you seem to be very triggered from the uh, swag that I had. Dude, I could have seen you coming from 13.3 miles away. If I did even without binoculars, <laughs> I mean, it would have been great if I had a uh, long range rifle and a tuned in scope, I just shot those things right off your feet. I mean, dude, you can see that pink and purple orange crap from everywhere. It looked like a gator had sex with a blue tick coonhound and it came out on your feet. I'm not real sure what happened there, but whoever told you that was a uh, sense of style was wrong. Well, look, I happen to get a lot of compliments on those shoes. And they're just people telling you that so that you won't kill yourself by hanging yourself with the laces. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, GT, I think you were just wearing them to try to impress Trevor Lawrence if he was back again today, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, there's a, I do keep sitting in the same seat. It's kind of like, you know, you bump into a girl at the ice cream parlor or something and you keep going back the same week, the same, you know, that same day during the week, same time, hoping she comes back, but she never does. So Trevor, if you're listening, come back, man. You've got big shoulders. I'd like to, you know, give you a nice handshake and tell you hello again. But uh, yeah, yeah, I was trying to impress Trevor Lawrence and, you know, look, he's, he should have, he should have been a, a Tennessee Vol. And speaking of that, really quickly, uh, I think it was Chili Dog Davis. Congratulations on uh, your little child. Or I don't know if they've had the baby yet or not. I don't know if you posted that. But um, he, he said my wife's water broke, and I got to make the thread of my girlfriend's. My girlfriend texted me and said that her water broke. So that was a, that was a fun thread I got to do. I think it got deleted rather quickly. But uh, anyway, so PTC, sorry. Um, you know, I'll try to get another pair of shoes, but I'm very happy with my Air Presto acronyms. They're you know they're baller shoes. So anyway, you're, you're actually missing you're actually missing a good opportunity to you could um, you could get, you could make your own app like for Apple or whatever. It could be like Church to 5K or something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> Do what? Yeah, there we go. I love it. Yep. So, so it's it's a new genre. It, yep. It's the it's the athlete at church. So you can. 
you know, mm-hmm. you don't even have to change. You just go straight, straight to something else from church. So anyway, it's something I'll think about, but PTC, thanks for being, thanks for being on Powell Vols. How are you, man? Welcome to the pod quest tonight. I'm doing good. Glad to be here. Uh, it sucks have getting on here after a loss, but yeah, it's, it's uh, at least we're turning the page kind of going into the second season with the tournaments and stuff. And so really excited about that. And, uh, hopefully we can, um, make some noise there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we will. And I think last week, cause we were post, who did we lose to? I'm trying to remember, but you were trying to stay as positive as possible. I think that was last week. Maybe it was the week before, but yeah, that was the, the week before. After the week before. Yeah. Exactly. Since then, we beat Ole Miss and uh, and Kentucky. In Kentucky, yeah, Ole Miss and Kentucky, yeah. So we so we were feeling, yeah, we were feeling good about ourselves last week, and then now we're, you know, but I didn't take the loss nearly as tough as other people. It's yeah, it it knocked us out of a championship, but that ain't really. I mean, that's a goal. That's a goal for the team, but it's not really the big picture, and. And so, and, you know, we caught Auburn on a night. They were shooting lights out, and right. that happens. And when, when you shoot up 34 threes and you're making almost half of them, I mean, it's going to be hard to beat that team. Right, right. Yeah, they uh, – and Okiki finally kind of played up to his his billings that he – you know, I think he was a five-star guy. But, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I'm feeling positive vibes even though – we ended up kind of losing that one towards the end there. And, you know, then there's some of the referee calls and whatever. We can talk about that a little bit later. But uh, glad to have you on, man, so much. And you're making us uh, – you have some interesting discussion as well before. I wish we had it recorded. So uh, maybe we'll bring that <laughs> in the podcast. <laughs> but uh, anyway, thanks for being on. And the newly crowned – I can't say Justin Bieber of, of the podcast. I have to say Justin Timberlake because – the PodQuest fans have spoken, and you are now the officially the Justin Bieber, which that's totally fine with, with me, but uh, I voted Justin – or excuse me, Justin Timberlake. I voted Justin Bieber. But Priestfall, welcome tonight. How are you, man? I'm good. How's everybody? Um, first off, I want to thank everybody that voted for Timberlake, um, and that includes everyone not on the PodQuest. So all the guys voted for Bieber except for our, our boy Powell, so me and Powell are tight. Everybody else, you know, we'll talk about it. Um, it kind of hurts my heart. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's uh, glad that everybody listens to some good votes on there, and it's uh, much appreciated. I would much rather be associated with Timberlake than Bieber any day of the week. Um, but, yeah. Well, he's he's a good – I don't know if I've shared my Justin Bieber story where I met him. I'm, I think I have. I don't know if I've shared it on here before, but he and I have met before, and um, I might or might not have followed him into a, a into a men's bathroom to say hello to him, but you know, there's a whole story <laughs> behind that. But he seems like a nice guy. But uh, it, you know, prayers sent to Mr. Bieber. He seems like he's going through a mental breakdown or something right now. My wife sent me a, a, a text about the guy, and he's he's breaking down. He's gonna he's gonna be the next Britney Spears shaving his head, I think. But uh, anyway, so but yeah, thanks for being on, man. And you're gonna be out with us in in Nash Vegas, aren't you? Yeah, excited for everybody to come up to my hometown. You can hang out and uh, hang out on Broad, and you get to hear all kinds of country music and act like a tourist for a week. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's gonna be super fun. We're excited for it, and we're and we appreciate you opening your house up to us as well um, for the <laughs> weekend. So yep, uh, the, the more the merrier. It's uh, free babysitting duties for me. So uh, come on. Perfect, perfect. And last but not least, 
um, our special guest, Ken Donahue. I got a message one one uh, day, and Ken was like, "Hey, man, I was I think I'd be kind of interested in joining." And I actually think you're a very solid poster, really funny man. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, this was just a perfect idea to have him on." So, Ken, thank you for being on, man. It's been a long time coming, so I appreciate you being on. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, you know, I think that uh, it's a terrific idea what you guys have done. And uh, anytime you can be on to talk about the big orange is a great thing. Oh, yeah, it is. And we get to crack on each other and crack on the board. And, you know, this is a, this is our Tennessee safe space. So uh, it, uh-huh. we, get to, we get to ride the ups and downs of all the Tennessee teams. I know that you're a special fan of, of Holly Warlick. I think you were saying earlier <laughs> – while we were doing the show prep that you've – how many posters was it you had above your bed of her? <laughs> well, three at, the, three at the last count. I took one of them down after the Vanderbilt loss, but I'm still holding, <laughs> two, of them, I'm still holding two of them up. Okay, okay. And is, I, I've got a number of them uh, printed, the one where she's groaning, like has her hands over her head, the, the, new, the new meme that's out there. Yeah. The one where she's at Climax. Right, the, the – uh, near <laughs> yes that one ptc <laughs> um <laughs> i've got that one printed <laughs> off a couple times but uh holly we we do love you and ken this one's just so you know they come wanting to learn to get better and just play the game thank you holly for calling in um that's when the bats flew yeah <laughs> uh, <but laughs> we got a number of inside jokes with holly uh we love you holly not really but Hopefully, they bring in who's that guy? Who's that guy they want to bring in? Is it is it the Mississippi State coach? Is that the one they were trying to bring in next year when they fire Holly? Anybody know? I, yeah, I have I'm no ho- idea. I'm hoping that they make a run for the Louisville coach Jeff Walsh. That's who it is. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's right. The, I, I think that's the guy that that they should probably target first. You know, I don't know if they'll get him. I don't know the money situation, but. I think he's probably the best fit for the scenario right now. Right, right. Well, I know you you following it closely. What were you going to say, pal? Well, he's he and he's actually in the the perfect situation because from here, I mean, you you're probably not going to go down. I mean, you hire a good coach, you're going to go back up. And so, I'd rather follow, you know, Holly for his as far as his career. You know, jokes aside, I'd, seriously, I'd rather follow her than the way Holly followed Pat because. You know, unfortunately, there's it's, it's almost a no-win situation. It's kind of like Bob following, um, you know, whatever the um, John Ward. The, uh, yeah, John Ward. There you go. I lost yeah. my mind for a second. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of that situation where you know, it's you're not you're almost in a no-win situation there. Right. Right. Yeah. No. It's Holly was in a tough spot, but I think they gave her enough runway, in my opinion, where. It's not like they get. It was two, or, two or three years where, oh gosh, you know, she's no Pat. But it's, it's been how many years now? I don't know, but it's been a number of years now that she just, with all the recruiting classes she's brought in, just absolutely terrible in the way they've lost so many games and all. It's funny all the records that continue to get broken. Like, oh, first time losing to, to Ole Miss at home in thirty eight years, you know, or first time losing three games in a row in forty five years, and it's like these are unbelievable records. So, I think we've talked about Holly enough, um, maybe for the next couple of months. But uh, we wanted to get her in this first segment because 
she does mean a lot to us. The lady Vols, um, I think it was a Vol Dog Forty Seven. Who's the big? Uh, That's him. Uh, yeah, That's Vol, him. we want to give you your time, Vol Dog Forty Seven. We know that you're a big listener, so we here's our Lady Vols segment. So, um, anyway, I know I think PTC, you had something you want to talk about as far as um, about Jesse. Yeah, um, seems that the Atlanta Braves hat Jesse was wearing triggered a few folks and uh you know some reminiscing about your hat's too big bro uh that epic thread that should still exist on the vq somewhere but it doesn't i think it should actually come back around and we should add jesse to it but hey that's just me uh drake 01 well done with the there's something about mary jiff i nearly lost control of my bowels uh i peed on myself because that was so dang funny absolutely well placed and Dr. Curmudgeon, kudos to you too, sir, for calling out Jesse's voice and the fact that he hasn't gone through puberty yet. Maybe that explains the jorts and the choice in headwear. I don't know. But well done, gentlemen. Thank you for giving me a great laugh. That was awesome. Wow. Two yeah. really good posters. Yeah, they are really yes. good posters. And that's this is what we do. We like to highlight really good, really good stuff. And we'll we'll show the bad ones too. But Drake and Curmudgeon, you guys have been been on fire as of late. And Jesse, we still love you. Hopefully you join yeah. us. Not not to sidetrack hey. us on a on a talking about Jesse's hat, but can we just talk about how great I mean Jesse's a friend of the podcast, but at the same time he can do the littlest of things to trigger the entire <laughs> board so yeah. easily. Yeah. It's it's just it's just it's like watching a magician work. It, it's amazing. quite entertaining. It's, uh, it's amazing. It is it is so amazing. Um, I was actually thinking about there's something I was going to add to this, but I totally forgot. Ken, I want to ask you really quickly, not to sidetrack off all of this, but um, you want to speak a little bit about how you became a Vol fan, and then also kind of how long you've been on Vol Quest as well, and any other anecdotal information you have for us. Sure. Um, I, my first Tennessee game was 1987. Uh, Tennessee got beat by Washington State with Dennis Erickson, coach at Washington State. I believe their quarterback oh, was wow. Tim Rosenball. Uh, they got beat pretty good that day. And then, uh, then the first game I vividly remember was 1989 against Colorado State to open the season. My dad, my mom, my brother, and I went to the game, and we had – uh, two sets of a pair of tickets, but they weren't together. Um, two of them were behind the goalpost and two of them were down closer to the field. My dad took me pregame. We thought this was before the nets behind the goalpost when they kicked right. the extra points. So he takes me pregame and we take the two that are kind of behind the goalpost. He said, well, man, we may catch a football. Uh, and they kicked, you know, all during the warm-ups, pregame warm-ups, and we didn't get one. So the game started. He said, well, we'll trade with mom and your brother, and we'll go sit closer to the field, and they can sit up here. With first quarter of the game, Tennessee's first touchdown, they score, go to kick the extra point, and we look up, and the ball lands at my mom's feet. So we have uh, – I have a vivid memory of my mom throwing the football back onto the field because, like I said, back then you didn't have the nets up. Um, and then, like anybody, you know, we grew up listening to John Ward and Bill Anderson, mm-hmm. uh, going to ga- going to games in the '90s. Um, had some friends that were Tennessee fans that I would go with. A couple of them are actually on VolQuest. Uh, Vol Harley, he may be banned, not, not for sure. Uh, hack, <laughs> hack. Oh, uh, he might be banned. <laughs> <laughs> hack, uh, 
there's one hack and then uh west town uh west west nashville uh just going to games and listen to them and even the basketball games uh when i was little listening to john ward do basketball you just kind of like everybody grow up and it gets in your blood and and yep. um you know and that's kind of um how my fandom started and so, hey Ken, uh, very cool. Man. Hey Ken, hey Ken, I got a question for you. That you're talking about the Colorado game, and I remember that game. You know, yeah, Colorado, Colorado State. Yeah, 1989, I think. Um, where the, the okay Colorado State game? Okay, I was thinking yes. of the uh, I was thinking of the Colorado game. When, okay, yeah, you were thinking of the one in Ty and Anaheim in uh, okay, that's ninety or ninety one. Yeah. Okay, that's what I, I was going to ask where that game was played at because I couldn't remember and I, it just right. sort of no. kind of came the, to me. But yeah, because it was on, I think it was on a baseball field, right? Right, right. It was Anaheim where the Angels, okay. I believe the Angels at the time played were uh, yeah. actually the clock ran out on this because Chuck Webb had made a great run and uh, Colorado's defense was wearing down. But the, the game that I was talking about, you have Colorado State, and I believe the score was 17 14, Tennessee won. Um, that was back when they, but, but, uh, when Sterling Hinton and Andy Kelly before Andy Kelly had won the job. Uh, right. but yeah, it was the first game of '89, correct? And mm-hmm. then I think the Colorado, Colorado game you're referring to was either '90. I want to say it was 1990 in Anaheim. I can't and, believe uh, I can't. Yeah. I cannot. I can't believe I can't remember Colorado's quarterback, but who was it? What was his name? It was um, maybe Darian Hagan. They had uh, Darian Hagan. The year before, it's interesting. They had uh, when they, was, they had the quarterback that passed away was Sal and Nassi. And then I was thinking, uh, the, I was I was yeah. thinking Colorado's quarterback was um, I don't know why I'm thinking this. I may have the wrong guy. I was thinking of Cordell Stewart. Was that right? Oh, well, he was later. He was like uh, 93, 94. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, my bad. yeah, yeah. They had uh, Darian Hagen, Eric Bieniemy, and uh, mm-hmm. you know and those guys ran ran the option. So yeah, but, that yeah, was the year they a, shared. Was that the year yes. they shared the national championship? Okay. Correct. Yes. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I'm seeing a, a thread really quickly by shout out to Duke Silverball going back and forth with Claimer Seven. So uh, I was just replying. We're, we're getting called out to film something at the spring game. So it looks like we might have a Gate 21 uh, uh, right hot off the press, a Gate 21 happening. So I had to, yeah. had to respond to that because I'm getting excited. And secondly, I'm really excited because my wife just came in and she gave me. Um, a Smucker's Uncrustables Reduced Sugar Peanut Butter and Grape Spread Sandwich on Whole Wheat Bread. So thank you, hun. I love you, my wife. She's awesome. And she listens to the podcast, too. So that's great. And I think she gave us four stars, hopefully five. Um, but I think she said four because I'm the host. So <laughs> but, oh, one last thing, too, guys, before we get into like the meat and potatoes and everything. I did want to call out – well, actually, this might be a good segue. So um, – I want to call out uh, Rob Lewis really quickly because I think, as we all know, Saturday morning we all woke up. We're really excited for all the coverage of the basketball game, the Auburn Tigers versus Tennessee Volunteers, senior day, all that kind of stuff. We had Dickie V, you know, the whole ESPN crew. And then we get a little message saying, hey, guys, my car broke down in Atlanta. So my phone starts going off the hook. Hey, you should go get Rob. And I keep getting tagged in messages. You should go get Rob. And I think I made two or three threads. I made a poll, uh, which overwhelmingly was telling me I should pick up Rob and take him to the Auburn game, which he never responded. I tagged Brent, never responded. I messaged him, never responded. 
And I just, I thought that was maybe probably why we lost actually is Rob didn't show up one and two, he didn't let me drive him. So that being said, I don't know if you guys have any comments yeah. on that, but let's talk the Auburn, I, uh, Auburn game. I've messaged uh, Rob a couple of times and we talked back and forth and uh, he actually got his uh, car taken to a AAA facility up on Roswell Road, and I was sitting here thinking that's not too far away from where GT lives. That's like not even. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? That shit, shoot, I'll go pick up GT. Let's go pick up Rob and make a road trip at this. Because I wasn't. I'm only about 45 minutes away from where he was. I mean, Roswell Road is two minutes from me, so right. it, it would have been the easiest pickups to Rob. But you know. The other thing too was I was actually going to periscope the entire thing, and it was, I was going to play the Trump inauguration speech while I drove. <laughs> and I was going to actually, actually, I was going to interview him, and I was going to film the whole thing on Periscope and have people ask questions as I drove like crazily up and down the interstate, and Rob's like holding onto the side of the car and everything, um, just like probably uncomfortable and like get me out of here. And just like, no, next question, next question. So it would have been great for Periscope. I think a lot of people would have loved it and enjoyed it, and especially the board. But unfortunately, he didn't take me up on my offer. So shame on you, Rob. Um, but anyway, let's talk this this Auburn, Auburn loss. I don't, I, you know, and I'll start with you, Priest, but I don't feel like we – walk away from that game. I, you know, I, lo- I looked at the faces in the, in the posture of the guys as they kind of realized the game was over. And I think in their face, they knew it was one that they let get away, but it really wasn't like they really just got overwhelmed and got their tails whooped, you know, like the Kentucky game where they looked like just whooped up dogs with their tail between their legs. Um, what, what are your thoughts on, on the loss? Do you think that they played decent? I mean, is, is, are there any positives? I mean, positives, you got 16 points from Jordan Bowden off the bench, so his shot's kind of coming back. I think that's big for this team. And and I'm going to be really transparent here and say that um, Lamonte Turner needs to sit. Um, his shot's off. It looks horrible. He, he keeps getting really just bad check fouls. Before, I mean, right as they get to half court, he, he's trying to be aggressive to make up for the god-awful three he just put up on the other end and then gets a foul so i mean he's cold if something's off with him right now i think he just needs to sit and kind of let bowden take the reins in that role for a little bit um i mean bowden played more than him anyway on um on saturday but at the same time i think you know i think it'd be good for lamonte to kind of sit and watch uh watch a little basketball um jaylen johnson actually you know didn't score any points, didn't really do anything, but he was getting a little bit more burn. And I think that's because coach Barnes knows that Lamonte is really, really cold right now. Um, you know, I think the, the biggest difference I'm trying to, I'll try to find a positive other than Jordan bone, but right now, you know, I, I don't see it as a big negative. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it sucks that you don't uh, get a share of the title, but more than likely that title might be vacated anyway. So they get a share of it anyway with LSU's issues. And I know we'll talk about our, our friendly friend, Will Wade here in a little bit, but um, (laughs) you know, I think, I think, you know, looking at the box score, the biggest thing is you see Tennessee had 13 turnovers and Auburn only had five. You you can't win like that. Um, And this is also me harping on Lamonte again. I mean, you don't need him to put up eight threes. If he's putting up eight threes, he at least has to make half of them for it to be beneficial to the team. And he only hit one of them, and then he was one for nine from the field. So, I mean, 
altogether. So you're playing 35 minutes and scoring three points. You're, you're being more detrimental to the team than you are beneficial. Um, the way I look at it, um, you know, Auburn got hot from behind the arc, and that's how Bruce Pearl plays his offense. As Tennessee fans, we know that's that's how he wins games. He's going to put up as many shots as he possibly can. Um, and, and everyone from the one position to the five positions more than likely going to take at least two threes. So right. you, you have to be ready for that. Um, I think Tennessee was, I just think they didn't hit as many as they needed to. Um, but if I'm, you know, if I'm coach Barnes and I'm looking at this and we're getting ready for the SEC tournament, getting going into Nashville, I kind of pull a, a, a line out of uh, James Gammon, old Lou Brown from major league and just look in front of the team and say, look, the only way we what we do now is to prove them wrong is we just win the whole damn thing. And, you know, I think they got a pretty good shot to do that, even as a three seed. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll take it. I, I do agree that we definitely played into their their world of, you know, they start kind of making a couple threes and you start to feel like, hey, you know, we got to make a couple threes, too. And you, you start jacking them up. But, Ken, I'm going to pass it to you really quickly. I heard uh, Bruce Pearl, and this is kind of, ran, you know, this is I like throwing random questions to people. But Bruce Pearl, at the end of the game, I don't know if you listened to his postgame speech. Um, he said that he felt like they tired down Tennessee in the first half. Did you get a sense there that Tennessee was maybe tired and, you know, they missed some shots in the second half, kind of wore down a little bit? Well, you know, it's interesting. I heard him mention that. Um, I don't know that that was a factor because um, it, it could very well have been. Uh, there were a couple of things. You know, when I think it was in this late in the second half, Grant Williams blocks a shot. It goes right to an Auburn player for three. And that's when you're almost like, this may not be our day. Um, I, I think the, you know, I think Tennessee got out of kind of what makes them special. Uh, when they defend exceptionally well, play hard, and play unselfish, uh, you know, that's right. kind of what – well, that's what has made them special. And I think um, maybe what Pearl was saying too is not so much fatigue, but he got Tennessee to play his style. You know, of uh, little – I think Tennessee got a little impatient, impatient on offense. And, uh-huh. you know, I uh, don't know if it was the fatigue, but Tennessee kind of – that for about the last eight minutes at times they were uh, it wasn't characteristic of what we'd seen for the last two weeks. Yeah, and again, kind of going through the box score here a little bit. Um, you know, we try to match their they shoot six more threes than we do, and then they also shoot eight more free throws. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. uh, which it's kind of like how does that happening when they're jacking up all these threes? But um, you know, I, I'll I'll ask you real quick, PTC. My my favorite Kyle Alexander. I feel like he didn't necessarily show Joel up. You know? Yeah, Joel Embiid light. Uh, shout out to Duke Silva on that. Who thinks he's Joel Embiid? Not even a light version. He's well. He did say a light version of Joel Embiid, but um, I've never seen Joel Embiid play like this. But the <laughs> way that they had their lineups, they played kind of small, small-ish ball, right? And and we had Alexander out there. You just feel like he should be a bigger force than six and nine. You know, are we missing anything there? Should he have gone to the bench? And and our three guys from the bench only played fifteen minutes outside of Bowden. You know, what do you think? You know, I, I, I think a lot of it is, you know, as much as we love Kyle and what he's done for Tennessee, um, you know, have we seen his ceiling? Who knows? But he is consistently inconsistent, uh, which is incredibly frustrating. Um, I also think that the over 
arching point here is what uh, Priest said, is that Turner needed to sit and Bowden needed to start and he needed to stay in. The reason being is that he provided more, uh, which would have taken pressure off of Kyle to be more than what I think that he can be. He can't be that guy that's going to grab 15 to 18 rebounds a game. You know, he's not going to be anywhere near a Dennis Rodman or anybody like that. You know, he's good for five or six rebounds. But if we're missing the shots that we normally hit, that Turner's obviously clanking, bring Bowden in. That's fewer rebounds Kyle has to worry about. He gets in less foul trouble trying to box somebody out or going over the back. I think it takes pressure off of everyone if we can get that rolling. And I hope to see that in the first game of the SEC tournament. Uh, Turner sits and decides to take a back seat. Yeah, and this is and this is it's interesting because this is kind of something that I was thinking about, and I brought this up when I think is when Turner kind of when he came back, and it was around when he came back, and when Bowden started to get hot, and it was like, do you want one or the other, or can both of these guys? both kind of coexist and can they both be hot at the same time? And you're hoping that Barnes can kind of figure out a right way. Powell, do you think that's the case? Is it going to be one or the other where you got a Bowden that's going to, I mean, Bowden's playing at another level uh, and obviously Lamonte's kind of regressed here the past couple of games, but can they both kind of coexist here and, and both have good numbers and play well going into these next couple tournaments, or is it kind of one or the other and you got to find somewhere else to get production? Yeah, I think you, you you need to start searching for production now. Uh, just Turner's had a rough ten game stretch. I think he's I think I saw where he's six for forty two in his last ten games. And I he's mean, a it's, man. yeah, and that's you you, you got to start shutting wow. it down then. I mean, when you're not making, and I you know, and I you can't. I know shooters shoot, but you got to have some some common sense on. Okay, I'm not making you know this stuff. And, you know, a lot of his threes recently have been uh, contested. Like, they haven't been the uh, more of the open threes that he usually shoots and stuff. So, I think he really needs to slow his roll a little bit because, you know, he um, he was one for eight or nine or something like that. Yeah, that's just, you know, that I mean, I'm not going to pin our loss on one player, but that didn't help us any. And, um, right. and, and, you know, and Bowden played really good, but I think he only had – like three or four points in the second half, he kind of disappeared. His little thing that he does sometimes um, where he had a great first half and then he only gets up three or four shots the second half. Um, but, you know, it, I, I'm not nearly as down on that loss as what the board acted like. Um, you know, we we played a team that – and sometimes you're just going to play a team that's making everything, and, and they were. They were, they were hot. They get the benefit of a possible call that went against. You know, that, yeah, that you know, it's I didn't, and I didn't even realize until you know several minutes later that um, that they actually didn't call go to him because they didn't think he touched the ball, and I didn't even realize that. I thought it was automatic that he touched the ball. Yeah, but, Priest came in big time with the right shot and proved the refs got that one wrong. Yeah. And, uh, well, yeah, he so, he touched that ball and it was still moving within the cylinder. So either yeah, if you're gonna if you're not gonna call goaltending, you at least have to call it a two point play. You can't give them the three. If if you're not gonna make the right call, at least make a semi wrong call. Don't make it just a belligerently wrong call. Yeah. 
And if they if they do call Goten in there, it completely changes everything because I think if I'm not mistaken, um, with probably about a minute left, we would have been tied instead of down three. And you know, and you're obviously when you're down when you're down three in that situation with a minute left, your your think your thinking process is totally different. And um, but I'm I'm kind of I'm just a little bit more disappointed in the way we ran our offense. Um, were we I, and I made a crisp in the second half because I thought I thought we were great in the first half. Were you just we were great. We were great in the first half, and we went through GW a lot, and and we we did we we went through them. We went through him some. I mean, he had a great game. Don't get me wrong, but I think he needed a whole lot more touches. I really wish we would in a, in a situation like that when we're playing a team that's smaller than us. I really wish we would. I really wish and I really wish we would spread the floor and let GW get the ball somewhere around the free throw line. And let him go to work one on one. And if if they if they try to double team him, we got three guys standing outside that's going to be wide open for kick out threes. And we did. We actually went to that, and I believe I believe um, either Bowden or Bone made a three. And GW the next play, we did exactly the same thing. We go down. He gets fouled at a. He gets he gets an and one. Right. And then we never did that again. And you know, and I don't you know. Um, I don't, I don't know what we were doing there after that is, you know, yeah. You feel like we'd kind of call the same number if we're getting some success running some plays, but yeah, I thought we, I thought we ran the offense beautifully in that first half and it seemed very efficient. And there's a number of possessions when like Bowden, for instance, was get just getting those elbow shots and just, you know, Bowden again, Bowden again, and it just looked mm-hmm. like a thing of beauty. And, you know, I guess they kind of fell apart a little bit in that second half. My thing, you know, on top of the offense, I just – I do kind of feel like maybe they got worn down a little bit. You look at some of the wins that Tennessee had um, the past couple of games and you look at the numbers of the bench. And I, when I say bench outside of Bowden, I'm talking the Folky, Walker, and um, who's a, a Pons. And they're getting 25-plus minutes. And in losses, they're – Barnes is really shrinking that bench, and I think these guys are getting a little tired. That's why you see Lamonte Turner making boneheaded decisions sometimes too. Uh, I think maybe he's getting a little gas and he's just jacking up shots. But um, I I agree. I think we need to run it more through Williams. I thought um, Alex, or excuse me, I thought uh, uh, Admiral had a very efficient game, and I would much rather him be taking those three pointers uh, than Lamonte Turner right now. I mean, if you want to back up 15 threes, go ahead. <laughs> and here's here, here's my thing. Here's here's my thing about was something about um, something about Alexander. Right now, I really and I've been pretty critical of uh, Fulkerson, and not because I don't like him. I really like him a lot, and he you know he plays probably the hardest as anybody on the team. Right now, I really want to see him play more. He he does nothing for us offensively. I get that, but here's the thing. He plays so much better defense inside than what Alexander does. Nothing comes easy for anybody he's guarding. He doesn't get lost when they switch. Do what? Who is this you're talking about? I'm talking about Fulkerson. Oh, yeah, Fulky. Yeah, White Eye. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I just, I I would just much, I would really, I really want to see more of him right now. Um, Just because. BFL for Greeks. 
<laughs> let me uh, Powell, Let me ask you this, buddy. Um, with Fulkerson, and I think you and I may have discussed this, and it could have been through the, the group text, but I'm not sure. Do you think with Fulky, he may be a little bit gun shy, uh, a little nervous when he gets the ball, but if he gets a little rhythm going, that can really boost his confidence and kind of get him more involved in the game? I agree with that, we, and I believe we did talk about that. And I completely agree with that. He, when he's in those, when he's in the games for like three or four mo- uh, minute spurts, and like he touches it two or three times, he almost acts like he panics at times when he gets the ball. Um, like you know, I don't know. I, 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 and it's not that I'm. Um, he doesn't know where to go with it, where the next pass is going to be. It's not that. He just gets really either really excited or he panics, one of the two. And but I agree. I think he needs to play longer stretches than what he's playing so he can get a better feel for the game. Makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, he, he needs he needs some burn. He needs to get out there more. What do you think, Ken? Uh, yeah, I think he does. And I think that it could be interesting this week in Nashville, um, especially let's say if they win the first game on Friday night, the plan the next day is will some of those guys' minutes increase um, you know, because of for depth and, uh, you know, the, uh, that'll be interesting to see, I think. Uh, one thing I was going to say on Turner is what's maddening about him is is when he realizes he is a part of the offense and not the offense, he seems to play well. You know, coming out of the second half at Ole Miss, he, he, he played exceptionally well, and I think even Brent commented on how he stayed in the flow of the offense. And that's what's mm-hmm. maddening about it. Sometimes he – it seems like he just kind of gets out of the flow of the offense and a jack up a three uh, and those types of things. I would, I would uh, going back to Fulkerson in more minutes, I would like to see him more minutes uh, because you're going to need him. You're going to need him if you're going to make a run, a serious run in March, because we all know Alexander's going to have a game where he gets in foul trouble. Right. Uh, what happens if Grant were to pick up a second cheap one with 12 minutes left in the first half of a Sweet yep. 16 game? Um, you know, and even Derek Walker, a couple, two or three minutes because against Kentucky, I thought he was really good. For right. the, yep. You know, I don't know how long he played. It might have been six minutes, but it was a big six minutes. Uh, 16 um, minutes I'm looking at it right now. Well, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but no wonder. <laughs> yep. uh, but he played well. And, you know, I think those two two those two guys and, and uh, you know, it was what was encouraging about Jalen Johnson too was, you know, he played well against – um, against, I guess, Mississippi State. And uh, you would like to see at least two of those guys get some minutes because you're going to need them if if we're going to be where we all want us to be. You're going to need them. Uh, so, yeah, I would like to see that and uh, like to see them get more minutes. And uh, Because in the tournament, we all want to win the SEC tournament, let's, but really kind of playing with house money. Because right. if you, if you, you, you you're the, the big ones the following week. So, you know, I would like to see them get some minutes because, you know, three weeks from now we'll really be mad if we don't win the SEC tournament, but we're in the Final Four, you know. But uh, to get to the yeah. Final Four, I think we're going to need some minutes from, from those fellas. So we're so, – yeah, go ahead, pal. Well, just the way that the coaches drive uh, – I mean, and it's not just Barnes. It's just coaches in general drive me crazy because I remember before – um, before the or the Mississippi State game, uh, Jalen Johnson played quite a bit, and he played well. He had like seven points. He had quite a few rebounds. He played really good. And and then after the game, they talked to Barnes, and Barnes said he had his best practice 
of his career right. like Thursday, yeah. Thursday, the game before. Well, mm-hmm. then, then at Auburn, he plays, what, three minutes? Yeah, I, mean, I think he got seven minutes. Okay, well, I mean, it, and he, but it's, it just seemed like he, was, he wasn't out there that much. I don't know. It was probably just subbing in before the, you know, under eight-minute break or whatever. But um, uh, it's I don't I don't understand that he if he if he deserved minutes for Mississippi State and then he showed out for you know for a guy who hadn't played a whole lot playing playing some more I mean he should be you know he he's eating Pond's minutes up basically and I think he should have been out there a little bit more and he's you know he's a he's a he's a he's, a, he's kind of a guy that we're missing as far as or the type of player that we're missing where he's a longer player. He's um, a better jumper, um, you know, stuff like that, a little bit more athletic of a person where, you know, Turner, you know, he's limited athletically. I mean, I think we all agree about that. And, um, and so, and with ponds, you just, you never, you never really know what you're going to get. And some of the stuff he does, I don't, you know, you you look at that, you look at him, and he turns the ball over, and it's like, what are you, you know, what are you doing? Because it just right. kind of almost, almost out of mm-hmm. character of him in the last, you know, several games, the way the way he's played, yeah, the last half, yeah. the last half of the season. Yeah, he's got no confidence, and did. I'm just looking at the the stat sheet, and and Powell, you were right. He played four minutes, so you're closer to me. Okay. You're closer to three than than seven. What I said, Folky played seven. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong line. Uh, Pons didn't play one minute on yeah. Saturday. I didn't. I just that didn't pop off the stat sheet to me until now. I don't know what. Uh, I mean, he has looked very lost the past few uh, few weeks. Uh, but I mean, we're we're talking about Turner. The offense got in a little rhythm when he came back, but do you guys, you guys may disagree with me, but was this team better without him, as far as without the rotation Turner? of, yeah, without with when Pons would, Pons was starting over Bowden, and then Bowden would come in and relieve Pons and play the whole game without Turner coming in. I mean, I, I could be wrong here, and, and I'm not saying that this team is better without Turner, but it, it seemed like they had a better rhythm. Without him, I I kind of agree think with you. This was, I was actually going to ask uh, you this, Powell, when you were discussing it, and I'll pose it to Priest and uh, you as well, Powell. Do you think that injury has done more to his confidence, uh, and maybe he's making an, ex- an excuse for that? I mean, we're not hearing it, but you know, it's kind of in in his in his own mind. He's like, okay, this injury really is bothering me. Maybe we don't know as much bad as we should. Or is that all just complete BS conjecture? I mean, if you're if you're still if he's still that hurt, where it's throwing off his shot this bad, then you you, you got to pull him. I mean, Barnes has been doing this long enough that he knows if a player's that hurt, that's putting up eight threes and only hitting one, and it's because of an injury, then you can't you can't rely on him going into tournament time. That that's just end all be all. And if you do, then you, you won't make it out. Of, uh, you won't make it to the Sweet Sixteen if, if you're yeah. if you're that reliant on a guy that's that hurt. Well, and again, not that threes are the be all end all, but he, that's kind of what he's known for. I'm looking at his stats: three of twenty six, I believe, in his last five games from three. And the guy, you know, they're they're giving him freaking almost thirty five minutes a game. It's like where can some other minutes go? Some other guys that can maybe give you something else. Where maybe 
you know, Turner's not getting that shot at the end of the, at the end of the shot clock. There's gotta be another way to get somebody else the ball. Like you can't get Williams three or four more shots a game or Schofield uh, a couple more shots a game. There's gotta be another way to flow this offense where it's not always Turner just jacking up a three or maybe he's being selfish. We ran some terrible sets at the end of that Auburn game. And um, I talked about GW, you know, clearing out and letting him get the ball. There, there was zero reason not to let Bone take his guy, you know, to the rim and tell him, just go to the rim. I mean, he's, you know, hopefully you get fouled. You never know uh, anymore. I mean, it seems like there was a, quite a few, uh, several fouls where he went to the rim where he wasn't, they didn't call anything. But, I mean, that's your best. Is it? Is that? Is that not your best opportunity to try to get around the rim? Is 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 either it's either Bone or GW in that situation when it's late in the game, and you 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 know you've um, you know you got to have points, and you you got to make something happen. Yeah, no, it's uh, you you got to change it up somehow. And even Schofield, I like him going. He's he's a good little slasher as well. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of the times these guys kind of want to they fall I, I think Turner falls in love with being the guy that gets that extra kick at the end of the shot clock and he's hiding in the corner he's hiding at the kind of in between the corner and the top of the the uh, three-point line and he just gets it and jacks it up there's just got to be somebody else taking a shot there um, and again I priest I think I don't know if the team is better without him. You know, you asked this question earlier. I don't think I don't think necessarily the team is better. I think he does really good. He puts I think fairly decent ball pressure when he's you know guarding the point guards. He's a decent ball handler. Get the team running the offense. He's not a a bone, um, but you know when he is on, if he can shoot four threes a game and make a couple of them, that's what he needs to do. Get a six points, play defense, and help run the offense. If he shoots anything above, I think Barnes needs to put a quote on him. If he shoots more than X amount, he should be taken out. So I don't think he should be in there for 35 minutes a game anymore. No, I mean that's just me. No. I, I don't don't completely take him out, but if if he runs for over 20 minutes, he better be making 50 percent of his shots for him to be in there for that much. In my opinion, right, right, to be getting starters minutes like that. You know, yeah, it's unbelievable. And again, it eats away at Folky's minutes. It eats away at Pons's minutes. And we all know Pons has been a little lost, but it's like he hasn't had even a chance to get any confidence. So um, it'll it'll be interesting how this whole thing ends up here as we head into the SEC tournament. I believe Tennessee is number three, which I actually like that versus number two. Everybody's been freaking out on the board, two versus three versus one, all that. But I actually like it. Ken, I was going to ask you. How do you see the SEC tournament kind of shaping up for Tennessee? Uh, we'll have that late game, I believe. I think we get the 9 or 9.30 game on Friday. And then if we win that one, then we'll get the 3.30 game on Saturday. Uh, what do you think? How do you think we well, I, end up? I, I think the 9.30 game would be great, you know, on Friday if we win. You know, I would still have a couple hours before last call at Tootsie's. Okay. So that's a, <laughs> that's a, My I'm, man. I'm, 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 I'm good with that. Um, no, I think that. I mean, you're going to have to beat Kentucky any anyway. Right. So why not? I mean, you got to you got to play them. You know, we'll play them Saturday. We'll, uh, you know, uh, assuming we get by Friday night. Um, you know, I like the night game because you know you you should have a good crowd there. Um, you know, for the for the late game on Friday night, I like the matchup. You know, we just 
played in Mississippi State, and I forget who it, it's the winner. Mississippi State and who would be uh, be a play Friday night? Probably, Probably Texas A and M. Yeah, okay, exactly. so it would be Mississippi State. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so you know, you like that draw. You like, you know, you feel good about that. You kind of and this team after Saturday, they need uh, they need a couple of days to get their legs back under them. And I think that they'll play with a little bit more fire and passion, maybe than we saw Saturday um, down at Auburn. Uh, and so it kind of, you know, if they can get by Friday, I like, you know, we'll play Kentucky Saturday and let's see what happens, you know. But uh, yeah, I like the draw. Actually, you know, what's interesting you mentioned about being the three seed is, gosh, I like the three seeds draw better than I do the one seed. That LSU yep. gets um, who is it, Alabama or Arkansas. Yeah, Florida or Arkansas. Yeah, Florida or Arkansas. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think those two. You know, as a Tennessee fan, I'm I'm good with playing Mississippi State. I know they're good, but you know that Arkansas or Florida, they uh, you know they can uh, they can beat you. No, that's that's a good point, and I've kind of been looking at the brackets myself the past couple of days. But gosh, yeah, that uh, Florida can surprise you. They got some athletes. They got some five stars. In Arkansas, watch out for those guys too. They might be able to put a whooping up on somebody, and especially with all the the Will Wade controversy and all the p- players they've paid to to go to LSU. Who knows who's going to mm-hmm. place them up? <laughs> but, yeah. And what's what's interesting about Arkansas is, of course, you know you love our team and the players we have, but if you could say you can take one player off another SEC team, one player, and it may be Washington, but. What'd be interesting is this Tennessee team with Gafford, yeah, you know, the big guy from the big guy from big athletic guy from Arkansas, and because they have him, they're going to be. I think they're going to be a tough out in Nashville, but you never know what you're going to get with Arkansas. Would you trade him for Alexander? Yeah, oh, I, in a minute. I I I I, I, I love Kyle and <laughs> never think he's done, but but uh, I'm looking forward to going to Tootsie's after Friday. That's my answer to that. <laughs> Well, we kind, of, we kind of give him a hard time. We give Alexander a hard time. But what, what were you going to say, Pell? Gafford is a first-round draft pick. Right. I mean, he just plays on a bad team. It's just right. kind of the setting that he's in. And so he doesn't get – but he is, like, projected to be, like, a first-round draft pick next year. I mean, that guy is probably the best five in the league. Him and P.J. for Kentucky, That I mean, they're probably really close, but that guy's really good. Yeah. And well, South Carolina has a really good five too. Um, what's um, what's his name? It starts with the S. His last name starts with the S. Is it Silva? Silva, Silva. yeah, he's Silva. yeah, he's really good too. They've got yeah. Silva. They've got Silva and Kotsar and yeah, they got some guys. I mean, they're kind of in the same situation where they're just playing on bad teams. Right. Right. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, 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 you know, I think in every tournament run, there's going to be a an upset here or there. So who knows if it's every top seed's going to win. I'd love to see a couple upsets though. That would, that would really shake things up a bit. So it'll be fun. Um, do y'all remember, do y'all remember, I was thinking, I saw a post on this earlier and I completely forgot about it. Do y'all remember, um, this is going back a while, but do y'all remember when Georgia won the SEC uh, oh, tournament yeah. in, in yeah. the tor- tornado, the tornado weekend? Yeah. 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 That, they played, did they not play that morning and played that afternoon? They played two games in a day. That's right. I think. Yeah, they did. Right. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. They had to move it to Georgia Tech, I believe. Um, yeah. I believe they had to move it to their facility, and nobody was there. 
Like they wouldn't yeah. even that they didn't sell any tickets. There's nobody in the whole gym except for the teams playing. And um, I can't even remember how they ended up, but they ended up winning, I believe. Yeah, waiting for but, Georgia UGA to win a SEC title at Georgia Tech's stadium. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say, pal? That was just. There was a lot of talk on the board um, about having the quick turnaround from the nine thirty game to the, I guess, two thirty Central Time game. Yeah, and just. Those guys don't get tired. I mean, it's, you know, right. these are 18 to 21-year-olds. They don't get tired. I mean, I played AAU ball, and I played high school ball. We would play – I mean, we would go play games in, in tournaments, in holiday tournaments. We would go play games, you know, and then turn around and play the next – we'd play four or five days in a row. And you just don't get tired when you're that age. It's you know right. it's yeah. it, it is it's a little bit different. And I will say it's a little bit different when you're playing in a a season where you're playing you know a month and a half of your conference schedule and you're playing two times a week. Yeah, it kind of wears on you a little bit because you're just kind of looking you're looking down the road toward the tournaments and all that stuff. And but when you're actually in the tournament and you're actually playing, you don't get tired. I mean, it just right. you know it doesn't happen. Yeah. Especially so, especially. I'm sorry, Go especially ahead. when especially when other teams weren't blue and Kentucky's across their chest. You know, yeah. when you wake up at seven o'clock ready to go against those guys. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. Um, I'll ask you, Priest, um, and then we can ask uh, PTC. How do you think we end up? Do you think we win this thing, or do you think we're kind of hoping towards a tournament? You know, I'm not worried about the top half. I mean, LSU. I don't. They may beat Arkansas or Florida, but I I actually don't see them beating whoever comes out of the South Carolina bracket. I don't remember who that is. Um, and the only reason being is just I just I think that team has too much stuff going on for them to survive. I, I just without your head coach, probably without your starter starting player if he's still suspended. Um, I mean, it's it's tough for LSU to come out of that top bracket. Um, I guess maybe we should have lost a couple more to get that four seed. Yeah. Um, but you know, Saturday is going to be the end-all, be-all. I mean, you get game number three against Kentucky. Um, you, you set it up, winner take all, and I think the winner of that wins it all. Um, and being on a neutral court, it, as long as Tennessee comes with the energy that they've had or they had up in Knoxville and the defense they played against them in Knoxville, whether they have – is it Travis? Yeah, Reed, Travis. Yeah, whether he's on the court or not, I kind of hope he is just so that we can tell Kentucky fans to shut up about him not being there the last time we hung 17 over him. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I think they can come out as a three seed and handle whoever comes out of that top bracket and win it all um, on the basis that they do have the energy that they brought in Knoxville against Kentucky on Saturday. Okay. No, I, I agree. I think whoever wins that Kentucky-Tennessee game wins it all and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty bullish. I think if we can play a little bit of defense, we can get past Kentucky because the scoring will be there. If you can score 80 points, you know, 70, 80 points, we, we've got a good shot. we just got to be able to stop them. And I do hope that some of the Tennessee fan base shows up, you know, so it's not all big blue nation or whatever they call themselves and just taking over the entire arena. And it's like a it's an away game. So I don't want that to be an intimidating site for for the Tennessee team. So hopefully we do show up and we're in a lot of orange and we're loud and proud, but PTC, I'll ask you 
if uh, you're still here with us, man. But uh, I'll ask you, how do you think we fare in the SEC tourney? And he's gone. No, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I'm trying to figure out what we're going to do with Turner. Um, I'm still just kind of <laughs> irritated. That was like with 20 him. minutes ago. <laughs> no, I'm trying to figure it's... out how he's going to rotate in on the uh, SEC tourney. Because I think that if we can, you know, our seeding is going to rely on what we do in the SEC tournament. And CRB has got to realize. He's got to realize that, and, you know, I mean, the guy's been to Sweet 16 and made the tournament 16 out of 17 years when he was at Texas. You know, he knows how to put a lineup together. So unless he just all of a sudden, you know, miraculously finds his stroke, there's nothing that you can do with him except sit him. So does that mean we put Bowden in to start and bring Pons off the bench? Or like pre-suggested before, Pons is on – uh, the starting lineup comes out, you know, like 10 minutes in and never comes back in. Uh, is that what we're going to do? I don't know. Um, I think we have a decent draw. I hate the fact that we're not the two seed. And I also agree uh, that LSU, I, if they make it past the second game, it'll be a miracle. I think they've got way too much, way too much going around that program. That's going to, you know, basically destroy their, any hopes they have of being SEC tournament champions as well. Right, yeah, that that top of the bracket is going to be chaos. I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to be some fun, some fun basketball to watch and get the popcorn ready. Um, so, other question: So, do you think? I'll ask you real quickly, PTC. Do you think that Barnes is feeling any pressure here because he still hasn't won the big one necessarily? Hasn't won the national title, and you know, there's a lot of pressure to win this SEC tournament with the team that he has. Do you think that he is coaching under any pressure or is that just kind of a throwaway thing? No, this guy's done it for so long. What do you think? I don't think there's any, um, any hot seat talk at all whatsoever for his job. Does he feel pressure? Sure. I don't think that if you're in the coaching profession and you go into your conference pl- tournament and not feel any pressure, that you're in the right job, period. Uh, even Absolutely. if you're, even if you're, you know, Georgia, they have less than one percent chance of winning. I think it's what Kim Palm put out. So you know, Tom Crane, he's he's gonna feel pressure. Period. Um, I don't think there's any more added pressure unless he puts it on himself. And Barnes is smart enough to know that he doesn't pay attention to any of the outside talk, such as any of the. Um, fans or anything we're doing vol quest any of the media back because he does listen to the podcast so touche he does listen to the podcast my apologies coach yes um so no i don't think there's any extra pressure on him at all and he's you know grounded enough in his faith that he's not going to feel any pressure from himself will the players feel pressure i don't think so um but as it gets ramped up and the roar around the SEC tournament goes along, getting closer to the championship game, there might be a little bit. However, you got to remember these guys, the core of the core of this team is very experienced and very mature. Didn't yeah. show up Saturday, but let's hope it shows up during SEC tournament time. And if we take that uh, banner home with us, we're a number one seed. Yeah. And, and I want to talk about this next week. I'm going to write down a note here. I don't actually don't think I'm, that my idea is going to be around. I don't think we played enough hard games. I don't know. If we I don't think we played enough good teams this year. 
not to say that we aren't deserving of any of the rankings and stuff that we've done, but you look at the beginning of the season and the Louisville and the can the Kansas and Gonzaga's that was like, we were getting tested and we were fighting those teams. And I don't think, again, we went on a big run and we weren't really tested that much. So that's something I want to talk about next week as we hit, head into the NCAA tournament. But uh, be on the lookout for that. Everybody next week on the podcast, we're going to talk NCAA tournament and all that good stuff. But uh, one little plug I want to throw in here. I talked about it earlier, but we will be announcing the, official podcast get together on Tuesday. So we're working on finalizing the place that we're going to be. We've got a couple different options, but everybody's invited. Everybody show up. It's going to be actually on Saturday since we kind of know what our seating is and when we're going to play the games. If we do one on Friday, um, we're going to all get together at about 1130. If the place opens up at then or you know, at that time, 1130 or 12, whenever they want to open up for us and we'll all hang out. And then if people go to the game, they can go to the game where they can stay at the bar and eat there and watch the game. But most of us will be going to the game um, at three 30 or whatever the time is. So be on the lookout. We'll be posting that on Tuesday. It's going to be really exciting. We'd love to see everybody. Uh, we'll do a big RSVP, li- RSVP list. So we know who's going to be there. It's going to be super fun. Um, so anything else we want to go into, we want to go into football a little bit. First week of spring practice. Some of the storylines we were talking about, um, Obviously, some articles coming out with Jared Garantano. Seems excited about the offense. We got some pictures. I don't know if we got enough waste photos. Uh, shout out to VFF. We didn't get enough. He likes Wanye's ass. Well, I said, I said, I also said too, Wanye, big booty, tiny waist. So um, shout out to Wanye Morris. We'll have to discuss that later, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a joke, but. Um, he seems. I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't give him the putting yips. I know yeah. more about that. I know more about that. Just, just read the board. I know more about that dude's putting than I do my own. <laughs> right. <laughs> he obviously no. has a short stroke. Yeah. <laughs> is 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 he a chest putter? Does he putt with his chest? I could see him being a chest putter. What is the difference between an anchor putter, chest, and a wrist? Whatever it's called, yeah. It's yeah, anchoring. Yeah, it's, oh, one of those? Yeah. Oh, I see what you're talking about. Where you like stiffen your arms and you. Is that what it is? Like, uh, no. Uh, How do you. What's a chest putt then? It They have long putters where you can actually anchor the end of the putter uh, to your chest. It's illegal to do it now. Uh, but Adam Scott used to do it. Um, Darren. Uh, Clark used to do it, and I think – I mean, Kutcher has a different way of anchoring it, but that's not a true anchored uh, way to do it. Um, who else? Did Jerry Kelly do it, or was that uh, – or, or is he always putted regular style? Uh, oh. Yeah, he's, a, he's always putted regular style. Um, the uh, I can't remember what his name is. The guy that's kind of won the senior championship, like, forever. Yeah, he had the um, he, he and he still does it. He just holds it off of his chest or whatever. But um, but the other kind of weird, the other kind of not to get off topic too much, but the other kind of weird, the Shambo, he he has a very weird putting style. Yeah, he does. Where he he actually like has the has the um, the shaft of the putter like up his arm, kind of a weird that whole, that guy's weird. Period. But anyway. 
Well, he has the shaft up his arm. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> I, but I caught, my, yeah. I caught, my, I caught myself before I... I, I, I caught myself before I said that, and I, but I could not think of another way to explain it, so I just rolled with it. That's yep. what she said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at these pictures, pal, and yes, it is. Uh, he does run his putter shaft up his forearm. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird. Yep. Yeah. I love how Priest is uh, tippy toeing around that and making sure he has <laughs> putter in front of shaft. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah. It, as we go off topic on on spring football, I mean, it, you know, it, it's kind of hard to gauge all these things. Obviously, it's, it's exciting to you know to see some of the newcomers out there and everybody. It, the the thing that always amazes me every year, I've been on the board for a number of years now, and and every year it's they they show the weight increase. Oh my gosh, this person is just going to be a beast for us this year. This person is going to be an all American for us this year. You know, and. Sometimes these people don't pan out no matter how much weight they put on or whatever their body looks like. And it's just, are these guys players, you know, yes or no, are they going to be able to, to make a difference for us? But I will say I'm excited to see Quivaris crouch out there wearing number 27. I think he's going to be an impact player. And that's not, I mean, that's really a great hot take of mine, but it's, it's exciting to see players of that caliber dressed in orange. It's crazy looking at him compared to some of the other freshman linebackers that came in. Um, yes. that just that we've seen it just in the past few years. I mean, JJ Peterson came in and he was big, but not in the right way. I mean, he had a beer gut that looked like he'd been hanging he out at the Kappa Sig house. Is he still fat, or what? Is that still <laughs> thing on the board? No, he, he slimmed Jim down Chain there for a while. <laughs> yeah, he did. I didn't know. I mean, that, that him. Co- him coming in as a high school senior with that type of body, I'd been like, if I was Coach Pruitt, I'd be like, man, what the hell are you doing? Like, right. what did you do for three months other than not go to class? Um, you got that but, catch, yeah, man. I guess so. <laughs> um, but, you know, seeing crowds, you know, just watching some of the, the limited practice highlights, not not even all of Volquest. I mean, each, each outlet or anybody that posts on Twitter, you only get a certain amount. But he just looks different. You can tell he's a different type of athlete. And having that in your linebacking core is not a bad thing. Right, yeah. And he definitely seems dedicated coming in with the the body. It's just weird to say like that. But coming in with the body that he does have, and he's he's ready to go. He's definitely ready, ready for SEC play. Now, really quickly, speaking of bodies, Ken, uh, we've got two mammothly large bodies that have joined the coaching staff, and we've talked yeah. about it with a number you know, a number of weeks with with Cheney and and T Martin, and I actually find some comfort in the large blob of orange that roams the sidelines now, aka Jim Cheney. I love how fat he is. Um, it, again, it's very comforting to see him back in orange, kind of like, oh, come on, and I want, you know, drive, drive, you know. He just he's just so freaking fat. He's just let himself go. I love it. Uh, what what are your thoughts on the on the coaching staff on the offensive side at least with Martin and with Cheney? What do you think they're going to do this year? Well, I think that they bring instant credibility, of course, when they come uh, with it. But you look at Jim Cheney's track record with quarterbacks, and if you are a quarterback and you got a guy walking into your meeting room now who has worked with those quarterbacks, your radar goes up even more. Your attention, you know, to detail probably goes up more because you've seen what he's done with quarterbacks. You know, and I think what's interesting about the offensive and defensive staffs 
is that Pruitt is letting going to let Ainsley call the defense, and which tells you that Pruitt may be a little more hands-off than he was last year, and then hiring a guy like Jim Chaney is going to afford him to do that. Um, but, uh, you know, and then, of course, Team Martin with recruiting, and, uh, you know, just kind of it, it solidifies the where, you know, the previous coach we had, you know, when he stood up and said that uh, at this press conference he was going to hire the best staff in America. And, of course, he, you know, was far from it. But Pruitt really ha really may have the best staff in America. Now, hold it, hold on now. That, that staff had won shares of multiple, um, was it Big East Championships? They had Mac, co Mac titles. Co-champions co of the Mac East. So you hold your, <laughs> hold your horses there. <laughs> they dominated at Cincinnati, right? Dominated yeah. the Mac. So, um, no, it's I, I definitely agree, and you've got some credibility finally with the staff. Not like oh, oh, hopefully this person can put it together. This person can put it together. So that that part's exciting. Oh, one thing, Powell, I'll ask you. So uh, Jesse made the point. I hate to scoop uh, the VolQuest guys, but Jesse did make an interesting point around D'Angelo Gibbs um, that he's kind of moving around and seems to be kind of turning some heads on the offensive side of the ball. Can Chaney find that um, – who is the guy uh, – Mecole Hardman. I'm not saying we have a Mecole Hardman on this team right now, but can Chaney find somebody that's going to be that vertical guy down the middle of the field that you put on the slower linebacker that just puts a juke move and, and just goes to town? Hardman was an unbelievable threat offensively. Do you think Gibbs or a Tyler Bird or somebody, you think they'll be able to draw up somebody there or somebody will emerge? Either yeah, that or Jordan think, Murphy, one of those three. Yeah, the, what what Jesse was saying was kind of – it kind of opened my eyes. I, I guess you're talking about the, the two-minute drill that they did. Yep. And, and the, um, the comment that he made basically that – Gibbs had a um, just had a a speed or a change of direction that nobody else had on the team, and that was kind of a kind of an eye opener, really, because i i didn't I didn't know he had that um, that he had that in him athletically wise. But you know the thing about the thing the thing about Gibbs is he's not going to be a down the field player. He's going to be a guy you get you get in space whether it's you know, on the sideline or maybe um, maybe in the slot or something like that. He's not going to be a – I don't think that guy is a – you know, I think Juwan Jennings is a better go down the sideline, catch the ball type, type player than what Gibbs right. would be. Okay. No, that's fair. I'm just curious because, um, you know, somebody's got to emerge this year, at the, and that's been my kind of common theme, you know, all in this kind of offseason period is, is – Who's going to emerge in, in that wideout position? Um, you know, will Callaway be able to come back and do something? Will Jennings step up? Uh, you know, we got a lot of kind of bigger guys, but we need some burners out there. And, and again, another hot take from Georgia Tech fall. Everybody knows that, but that's kind of one thing I'm thinking about. PTC, anything on the football side that's, you know, standing out to you? Where are the freshman studs? Where are they going to be come the end of fall camp? Um, you know, I think we all expected one day to come in and lock down one of the tackle positions, and it looks like left tackle is probably 
going to be where he's going to start. Um, is that surprising to you? I feel like that's kind of surprising no. based on how he got like buried in the all American games and everything. Or is that something where they thought Richmond was going to be left tackle now that he's gone, they're filling him in. I think one is just that much better. Okay. I agree. Period. I agree with that. Uh, he's, I mean, he's bigger, he's stronger, he's more athletic. Um, seems like he's more intelligent than Richmond too, because Richmond couldn't put two and two together and come up with four. Um, yeah, and he's still in the portal. He can't find a way to get out of it. So, uh, it's not that. It's that he, <laughs> Richmond has to graduate first before yeah. he can do anything, and he can't graduate. He graduates in May. Once that happens, he will make his decision. But I think he ends up somewhere in the Big Ten. I think Ohio State is a rumored destination, which kind of surprises me. But you know, maybe they can do something with him well, that we couldn't do. Yeah, I, um, I want to see I want to see Crouch hit somebody. Um, I think he's going to be someone who could just absolutely level someone. Probably one of the biggest things that we've had frustrations with, you know, all over Vol Nation, is that our linebackers will hit somebody, and you know, if it was especially a running back, the running back would fall forward for another yard or two. You know, we'd hit him behind the line of scrimmage, and they get back to the line of scrimmage, or we'd hit him a yard and a half, maybe two yards before the first down marker. And for some reason, they couldn't wrap them up and stop them there. They would just fall forward. We can't have that. I think yeah. Crouch is going to end up putting people on their butts and making sure they stay where they're hit. Yeah, it's going to. It's it's nice to have that influx of talent at the linebacker position, and hopefully, JJ picks it up and and Crouch is. I think is just going to be a stud. But to your point on Wanye, um, I'm sure he's saying this to uh, to Richmond. Population. So, you know, bye. <laughs> See you, Richmond. So let me ask you let me ask you, let me ask you all this. And yeah. I, I saw this was posted the first day and it was um nobody really understood exactly uh, what the deal was. Has Darren Kirkland been to practice yet? No, he he's there? out with his knee. Is that what's okay? I never saw a reason why he wasn't there. It was kind of like it was almost like nobody like he was expected to be there or nobody really thought much about him. And all of a sudden he wasn't there for the first practice and nobody had a real explanation for why he wasn't there. And it's kind of the same old, same old with him in a way, you know, and he just, he just disappears from practice. Right. That speculation yeah. that he's played his last game in Tennessee. Yeah. I would hate that for him. Cause I mean, he, he did tried to commit to this team and this program and come back and do the right thing. So you'd love for him to get kind of one last hurrah as a player and just one solid season in, but uh, it's unfortunate for the kid. Very, because, I mean, his freshman year, I mean, you talk about somebody who looked the part. I mean, yeah. he did. I mean, that was our future linebacker, right our middle linebacker. Right. right. Yeah, that's just kind of luck Tennessee's had over the past, you know, decade and a yeah. half, it feels like now, where you got a promising guy, top 100 player, out of state, they brought him in. What was he? Indiana? Is he from Indiana? I think. Um, anyway, it doesn't really necessarily matter. But gosh, bring an all-American player in, and he had the little photographic memory, and was just a solid right. player freshman year. Man, injuries just derailing. So that's why you get knock on wood. But hopefully, this new influx of talent we're bringing in, these guys stay solid. Excuse me, stay solid for three or four years and and have solid careers here at Tennessee and help build this program back up. 
Last thing I'll ask you real quick, Ken. I don't know if you saw that video, the video of uh, Maurer throwing. And uh, you have any comments on his release? I know a lot of people have been freaking out about his release. I did. I did not. I did not see the video. Okay. Yeah, it's a. I actually made a, a video on the Harrison Bailey release as well, or I, I made a comment on it and said I, ma- I actually made a thread and said that uh, his release looked a little funky on that rope, that frozen rope he threw for like fifty yards, which is a gorgeous pass. But um, and Clamor yeah, thinks that he's going to be able to uh, make that as well. So, you know, sometimes they get caught up in that, and it's uh, not so much release as what's coming out of that release. You know ball comes out well and you know that, those types of things it's just it's funny how people can make assumptions and and you know decisions on someone's ability off of a couple of throws and, oh, and a two yeah. minute, you know a two minute long yeah. video it's just it's ridiculous so um I, that's exactly that's, that's or you exactly could right. or you could get just, trolled into bolivia by the fact that there was a rivals uh you know profile for a fake player at Woody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, so, uh, something else I forgot to mention about uh, spring practice so far is encouraging is, is, is Tennessee, we may have the best tight end in the conference this season. DWA? Yeah. This sounds like he's come along and gotten even better, you know, because yep. I think, it, you know, at times last year, coming from a junior college transition into the SEC, but uh, it seems like I saw a practice report um, a day or two ago that he really looked like he had improved. But he's got the potential to be as good a tight end as there is in the league. And also the two corners that they're going to run out there, I think probably others than, let's say, Alabama's corners have, his chan- have a chance to be as good as anybody in the league. Let me ask good you this, Ken, on DWA, uh, do you think that he would be even further along had Cheney been here last year? Versus Tyson Helton? Well, that's a, that's an interesting question um, because I don't know that his well, reason he wasn't further along was schematically, or is that he didn't pick up things, or maybe he didn't like to block as much as you had to. Um, you know, it could be as much mental as it is physical, but uh, that could very well be the case because there's one thing about Jim Cheney that he's going to do is get players the football that need the football you know absolutely right you were talking about miko hardman uh when he had cordell patterson here we were he ran reverses with him he put him in the backfield ran some tall sweeps he would make sure he got him the football so if dwa becomes the threat that uh well i think he can be he's gonna get plenty of opportunities but uh, that is an interesting question if he would be further along if cheney was here last year he was some so that may have set him back a little bit it it could very it could very well have but you know it's it could be mentally just picking up things uh coming into the sec because it's it's hard well no we you know we've gotten junior college kids and really patterson's the only one that comes to mind that was an immediate impact from uh, <clears throat> from junior college other than dale carter going back a ways but you know, it's hard for a junior college kid to come in right away and compete at a high level in the SEC. Well, yeah, and then, you know, we had a, a pretty outstanding JUCO player by the name of uh, Alvin Kamara that came in. But yeah. Uh, yeah cool. right. Supposedly hard. Yeah, but that's a – Yeah, th- yeah, those guys are special. Been, I mean, 
Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and he had been to Alabama. He had been right. to Alabama for a year. Right. That's and, a good uh, point. And he, he also he played in uh, – What wasn't? didn't he play in Cobb County? Um, or he was it to, uh, he went to, oh my gosh. Um, why can't, it's not Marietta. I'm going to have to look it up. Cause I was gonna say, I thought he, I thought he played in Cobb County. I was going to say, that's one of the best football factories in the entire nation. Uh, and there. So North, he yeah, already was fantastic. That's where he and, went Norcross High School. Yeah, Norcross. So, and he had been through an SEC practice at Alabama. And I think that's, uh, cause it, was he there a semester or a year at Alabama? One year. He was there, I One think, year. a year. For a year, mm-hmm. and he'd been through practice regimen because I think that that's probably the biggest obstacle for junior college kids or even high school kids coming on is the pace, the tempo, and the physicality of practice day in and day out. That some, you know, That's what separates. I think some are prepared for it and some not as much. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. Yeah. And it's nice that we've had – some of those special players come around. So hopefully DWA is that next, next version of it. So um, it's going to be exciting, but again, we've got hopefully more coverage on spring practice as it rolls through. But obviously a lot of the focus right now is on basketball, which again, they deserve all the, the focus in the world right now with the team that they got. And it's weird thinking about that with spring practice coming around and everyone's still shifted and focused on basketball, which is exciting, but yeah. Hey, did you, could be did you got, did you guys notice this the other night? I was watching the North Carolina Duke game in that senior night, and I swear they said Luke May was a senior, which that can't be right because hell, he's been there for eighteen years. <laughs> I know. Has there been a guy? It's like it's like Barrett Jones in Alabama. That guy, Barrett Jones, was recruited there by Gene Stallings. I know he. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's true, man. It's unbelievable. He because uh, it felt like he was there when like Donnie Tyndall was the coach and. <laughs> Like what? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It seems like Luke May has been in North Carolina forever. Uh, hey, real quick, what are you guys' thoughts? Uh, if I can ask a question, is on the Duke, the one seed with Zion out, all that stuff. Uh, you know, what are your guys' thoughts on that, real quick? I mean, I, I think they will still be a one seed, period. I mean, they're, they've been the darling. They the ACC attorney, they'll be a one seed. If not, they'll be a two. I mean, what? I, what I don't get is they still have two guys. You guys probably know better than better than I. Do they not still have two guys that are like top five draft picks in the draft? Cam Reddish and RJ Barrett. Yeah, any other college basketball program would have had two top five draft picks, but still playing the way Duke is, they would yeah. be getting flack. And it's just because Duke doesn't have uh, Zion that they're getting a pass. But hell, they still have all Americans. Exactly, and you know that's and, and get beat. Yeah, Go ahead, They, I think they have seven or seven or eight McDonald's All Americans on the team right now. Yeah. That's what they have, and, and almost got beat by Wake Forest. Yep. Yeah, that's true. That's true, and and you know Zion is, I think, just on a different level that he kind of carries them and does a lot of the things, even you know defensively. You see now, and he's not in there defensively. They're susceptible. Um, they they couldn't rebound against North Carolina. Uh, they they were again not very good defensively outside of Jones, who's a really good on the ball defender. But you had that one white guy. I don't know what his name was, but 
Uh, he's a weak player. Like I would have rather have Fulkerson in there banging around and stuff versus that guy. He's more of a finesse four or five guy. Uh, I don't remember what his name is, but AKA VFL for noise name. Just put it on the board. You'll <laughs> we'll know his tag, name. We'll tag him in there. Uh, but uh, you know, I I think they're a weak team without uh, without Zion in there. They're a finesse team. Jump, you know, jump shots and all that kind of stuff. And if, if but Zion's going to come back, I, I think they're a one seed if Zion comes back. But if he's not in there, they're, they, they're probably a Sweet 16 team that'll get bumped. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. So anything else, guys, we want to talk about before we uh, wrap this thing up? Speaking of VFF, I was just going to congratulate him on a, a stellar thread. Um, he posted something about um, – <laughs> Yeah, um, Molinari apparently stole a tournament shooting the best round, a eight under 64 today. And somehow or another, at he ba- backs into Hill. a tournament. Yes, at Bay Hill, exactly. That is, I, you know, he, okay, the guy has some weird takes. But this is like the weirdest thing I've ever seen him post. That guy did not steal a tournament. He literally went and took it. I mean, he shoots. this guy shoots eight under today on a Sunday. I mean, he lights the field up. I don't get where he, I don't get where VFF is. And, and I know he knows a lot about golf, but I don't understand. I don't, I don't get his take right there. What do you think, PTC? I, I don't know if he's high or stupid. Or both, <laughs> but that was the worst take I've ever seen on a freaking golf thread that he put out, and he's had some stupid ones. I, you go out and you shoot sixty four at Bay Hill, which is not an easy place to do that. It's hard, it's fast, and it's got some incredibly challenging holes. I don't. I mean, you know, he beat uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick and Roy McIlroy. You know, it, it's not like he beat, you know, Kevin Streelman or anything like that. So yeah. you go out and you do that, you won the tournament. You, nobody collapsed. You you just simply beat everybody. I mean, Molinari is a, uh, is a major champion. He mm-hmm. knows what he's doing. So to make that kind of thread, it makes me wonder if his wife was typing along. Hey, think about think about this right here for a minute. You're talking about the um, that it wasn't that anybody else went out and paid paid bad today. Um, everybody everybody in the top top 22 shot no worse than even. There was several minus fours, a minus five, a minus six. So there was some. Uh, it it wasn't that players were choking. There was some heat. I mean, Exactly. It wasn't that you know, and in you know, and you had um, you had Roy. He shot even, which you know that's probably not that. Obviously, it wasn't good enough to win today. But um, but yeah, I mean, he was right there on the leaderboard. You know, the whole tournament. But you know, the only tournament I can think of, and you'll probably agree with me on this one, pal, that you go out and shoot uh, sixty four on a course and lose. It's going to be the John Deere Classic, where but you know where there's been like seven fifty nines. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, I agree. Exactly. I mean, come on. Yeah. But yeah, Bay Hill. It, that's one of those courses where 
you have to be focused and paying attention the entire round. You can't yep. take a minute off. Otherwise, you're just dead in the water, literally. Yep. Well, very cool because I know nothing about golf, so uh. I don't either. I was gonna, I, I was gonna ask, is there really a tournament called the John Deere Classic? Hey, yes, there is. Uh, well, that's just that. because of the sponsor. That's not really. Well, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, instead of carts, they drive around on John Deere's. So Deere's all the... <laughs> there goes Tiger. He just took just, off one of the bushes. I just they got they got yeah they got there riding around and on gators. Yeah. I just figured John Deere, John Deere would uh, sponsor a race before they would a golf tournament. Yeah, no, yeah. no, it's played in uh, it's played in Wisconsin, which is where I think, um, where I think John Deere's headquartered. If I remember, correctly. that's right, I believe. Yeah. Oh, very cool, very cool. Informative. Yeah, no, we that's uh, you got questions about golf? Come to me and David. We got you. <laughs> that's worth. Is that with? Is that Whistling Straits? Is that what that is? No, Whistling Straits uh, held the PGA that Jason Day won. Okay, I was thinking it was in Wisconsin. Okay. Now, I Whistling know, Straits is in Wisconsin, I think, but that was the one that uh, Jason Day won where he won, where he beat Spieth uh, down the stretch by hitting it 375 yards. That's right, yeah. Wow. Well, that's – this is all stuff that I don't really know much about, but I do know I meet, I swing a really mean uh, three iron at or a four iron actually at Top Golf. So, how far did you hit? One hundred eighty-three yards. No, it went, well in the air, one eighty-three. In the air, that's fairly weak, actually. Well, I'm skinny, so I don't have as much power behind my swing. I'm also I'm also five nine and hit my four iron two hundred twenty yards. That's that's good. Chris, did you hit that off the fourth deck? I did. And it, the, wind, the wind was behind me. The wind was behind me. So yes. So it. Uh, I I did the happy Gilmore, and I had to put all my my uh, all my might into it. So nice. Yes. Yes. So I, they actually let me put a tee on the top of the the fourth deck, not even on the fourth deck. So I wish we had a top golf around here. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, it's fun. It it would be fun. That would be fun to get everybody together. But. Uh, Anything else, guys? This has been a really fun edition of the PodQuest. Um, a lot of laughs. Kent, and uh, by the way, so Priestfall had to drop his little babies uh, crying up a storm, so he had to go help out with his little one. So shout out to Priest. Thanks for being on, man. Uh, shout out to Bleed Orange, who's listening to this on his drive into Atlanta. We're looking forward to the SEC tournament coming up this week. It's going to be fun. We're taking off Friday, driving up to Nashville. And PTC, wish you could be with us, man. We know you got other things you got going on, but uh, we'll we'll have you in, in spirit with us. And FaceTime me, homie. I'll be there. We'll FaceTime you the whole time as much as we can. I'll bring extra chargers. Ken, I do want to say uh, with us all being on here as our special guest, you are welcome back anytime. You did such a magnificent job, and you are – I mean, I say everyone's a natural, but you truly were a natural. We just need to get you some headphones, too. <laughs> Thank uh, you, guys. Thank you guys so much for having me on, man. It was a lot of fun. And like I said, uh, Georgia Tech Vault for coming up with this idea to do a podcast and talk about uh, giving fans a chance to talk about Tennessee sports. is just an awesome idea. 
but uh, thank you guys for having me on, man. Yeah, no, again, like I said, anytime, and thanks for coming kind of short notice. I know we talked about it, and then I hit you up, and then I got quiet because I was trying to put my son to sleep, but that's a whole other thing. But, man, anytime you want to be on, we'd love to have you. You've got really some great insight, honestly. You made some just brilliant points tonight. So this is what it's all about is giving everybody a voice because, you know, that's this is what we've all been kind of clamoring for for a while, people with some good takes that uh, can put it all together. So, Amazing job. Thank you so much. And everybody who's listening who made it this far, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We will see you out in Nashville on Friday, on Saturday, and on Sunday when we win the SEC tournament for the men's basketball program. And I don't even know if the Lady Vols are playing, but they probably lost. Um, but anyway, we'll see you out on Friday. Thank you so much for listening, and go Vols. Go Vols.